It's not exactly no. commercial radio, gentlemen. <laughs> Imagine we'll be reviewing Sexy Dancer. We'll hear MC in the background going. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what you want to hear when we're reviewing him. <laughs> in time with the music. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast. Your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the hosts, MC. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain. Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? Player. It's just like a story chest of ideas. Toe Jam. Either version. I love both versions. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast. The crew are back again, and we're ready to do another album review. If you've heard for you, then you ain't heard nothing yet. (laughs) You better get ready, strap yourself in, because we're about to go deep on Prince's second album, released on October 19th, 1979. It is, of course, entitled Prince, and we're going to go into it. Player. Why you want to treat me so bad? Toe Jam. I got a warm feeling inside. <laughs> Captain. Sometimes you're so full of crap. A- M- <laughs> and MC is here. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was just talking about me, actually. I have a feeling. Um, <laughs> and it's me, MC. I'm back again. The four of us are here to set the record clear, to set it all straight. This is our analysis of Prince, the album. The second album by the boy Wonder from Minneapolis. Uh, and we're about to go into all nine tracks. Before we do, we actually have now reviewed his first album for you. And um, I really enjoyed talking about that with you guys. And, and I think you guys, from memory, enjoyed going back and dusting out that old album, whether it was on CD, on vinyl, and, and um, really listening to a lot of, whole lot of music that we hadn't heard in a while. For me, this was quite a similar experience. And I'll get into why I say that when we talk about the songs. But... Any um, opening thoughts, any general thoughts about the period? You know, we usually do this. We um, kind of set the scene before we go and talk about the actual music contained on the album. I think it's a nice little transition album, isn't it? When you think about it, uh, like most of Prince's albums, you can kind of see the evolution happening one from the other. And, you, you know, you think of For You, you think of Dirty Mind, and you think, well, this is exactly kind of what you'd expect in the middle, I think. Dirty Mind's a bit of a jump, but I don't think it's as much of a jump as people think. Because there's some really, you know, there's some nasty lyrics on here. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely some suggest- some suggestions. Suggestions abound, this album. Uh, Captain? Just like the first album, this is another LA record, California record, except, you know, the first album was recorded over months <clears> and months <throat> and months. This was done in not even two months. It's like seven weeks it was done. And that's probably because he, he had no money left either from his advance which he blew on the first album but it's a very quickly recorded album and i think it's a big jump from the first one it could have been a bigger jump but it's it's big enough it's it's certainly noticeable you play yeah. you play for you and and prince the album back to back and it, yeah you're right it's it's um not quite night and day but certainly um certainly a leap leap forward i think oh yeah and and again before we go we talk about the songs you know, this is really the tail end of the 70s. It's the tail end of that disco era. 
the birth of punk was spawned a few years before this the new romantic era is about to come through the new wave era is about to come through michael jackson as a solo artist is blowing up at about this time it's a very interesting time in the in the pop music world every time a decade closes whether it's the late 50s late 60s late 70s late 80s there's always a huge shift in sound and in atmosphere and in, in theme. Although to Toe Jam's point about the lyrics being quite uh, suggest- suggestive and nasty in, in, in some other places, to me, this is still Prince experimenting. Now, he would experiment th- throughout the, the 80s, but maybe experimenting is not the right term. Still finding his voice and his, and his feel in this era. And, um, you know, his, his live prowess certainly wasn't established yet. In fact, I think they had a few early hiccups when they when they went on tour and they were just kind of still gelling as a band, the, the people that he had in his band. But this, again, is a one-man band album, predominantly. All tracks composed, arranged, produced, played. Smelt. <laughs> <laughs> Felt. <laughs> yeah, and just put together by this one man, Prince Rogers Nelson. I, th- I think that's probably um, enough of enough of us meandering around our thoughts on the album as a whole. So let's go into the first track, side one, track one, for those of you listening on vinyl. And it is, <laughs> and it is of course, the single, the massive single, I Want to Be Your Lover. That's not a um, proclamation by MC. It is the first <laughs> track on this record. Let's go straight into it, guys. And let's not spend... Too long of the first song. Captain. Oh, me. This was the first single from the album. Came out 24th of August, 1979, two months before the album. And you've already said one-man band production, one-man band doing everything, which is just crazy. But this song is just a classic. I mean, listen to it. Just straight off, you've got, you've got those keyboard riffs, that guitar go chugging along. I really like this song. And it really has that print sound which was just coming into being. I love the bit right at two minutes after he says, I didn't want to pressure you, baby. You just hear this, uh, and I laugh every single time because it's just, it's just weird. <laughs> the chorus is great. It's really strong chorus. So many songwriters would have wished they'd written something like this, this good, you know, on their second album. The instrumental part of this song just kicks ass, starts off at 2.30. You've got this great synth bass going on and then some funky synth stabs as well, the funky guitar. Then you've got the big synth solo, 3.13. There's some very funky guitar stuff going on from 4.02 to 4.27. This is just a classic song. I like it. and uh, It's good. The end. Okay. And the beginning of Player's Review is... Now. Yeah, now. Yeah, the big first single from this album, it's the first video he made, number made for the first album. So this is where we first get to see Prince. And all these stories you hear about marketing him as the whiz kid multi-instrumentalist, you know, the video displays his abilities and shows all that off. I think that was like a conscious move to display what he could and couldn't do and and all that. The song itself is is funky and pop-friendly, nice instrumental extension at the end of the song. The guitar is nice and clean. The keyboard chords are nice. And I agree with Captain. It's just a really well-crafted song. And it still sounds good today. It still sounds, you know, it sounds like a Prince song. It's kind of weird saying that, but it sounds like his sound and he's developing it. And yeah, I really like this song as well. All right, all right. Uh, Toe Jam, what are your thoughts on this uh, opening track? 
I'm in agreement so far. It's a really good pop song. Awesome keyboard hook. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Very catchy. Uh, you've got those held synth string long notes going on through the verses and things, which is sort of reminiscent from the first album. Uh, it's very uplifting, very positive. His vocal sounds like it's improved a lot just already from the last album. And it's very clean. The ho- Again, everything on this album just sounds a little bit more cleaner, a little bit more tight which is good. And it's a very typical Paul Prince song. You know, he ain't got no money and these, these women aren't, they're not noticing him. Poor old Prince. Comes up a few times in, in this album. Um, I'll, I'll just say one thing about that. How, how much has that changed now? For how many years it was, oh, poor Prince, I've got no money. <laughs> and now every song, it's like, oh, I've got money, I've got cars, yeah, yeah. I've got houses, <laughs> come on, baby, I've got everything. But at the start, it was like, I've got nothing. Good point. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're suggesting, Captain, is it really, he shouldn't, <laughs> he shouldn't be coming out with this <laughs> these days. He shouldn't. He shouldn't yeah, be how, bringing how, this one out. In how concert. can he sing this on stage now? I ain't got no money. Come on. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, you have got that big instrumental jam at the end in A flat, which is kind of interesting on the first song of an album, having a sort of a three-minute instrumental jam at the end. It's kind of strange, but I like it. I like the guitar playing those on the beat, just these strumming these notes on the beat throughout it. What else have I got? Uh, okay, the Spice Girls song, If You Want to Be My Lover. Now, I don't know, but I've always suspected that that song was, whoever wrote that, I don't know. I'm sure it wasn't the Spice Girls, but whoever did, I imagine that that song was written in response to this one. You know, this is I Want to Be Your Lover, and that's If You Want to Be My Lover, you know, blah, 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 blah. So that's always been my thought on that. Probably his first really solid pop hit, I guess you'd say. It probably wasn't a massive hit, but certainly better than um, Soft and Wet and just as long uh, in terms of the impact. So there we go. It's his biggest single so far, you know, in, in his career at this point. I just absolutely, pardon the pun, but love the title of this track. And when you look at it on um, on the single version, you know, it's got this black and white kind of promo picture of Prince. It just says, I want to be your lover. And he's just looking straight at you. It, I find that <laughs> hilarious. It's a pure comedy, really. Very, very suggestive and to the point, I mean suggestive in that in that kind of um what we would ultimately find out about prince is that it would be a recurring theme in his music he started early uh, with his suggestive themes but that would become something that he that he really um in my opinion you know you listen to, to prince a lot of the prince songs especially in the 80s some of his classic material and there's a lot of these hidden meanings uh, a lot of the time the double entendre this is more direct <laughs> i want to be your lover he's saying you're right Whoever said that he's he's coming from a position of um I, I don't have the money I don't have anything really t- to give you but I can do you baby <laughs> that's basically <laughs> what that's basically what he's saying but this is a strong lead single for the album a strong opening track you know from the opening groove to the falsetto vocal that it, it just draws you in and once it draws you in you just it's like it's it's a hypnotic groove in a way it's that dun, it's a bit, a bit of a disco feel. It's a cool mid-tempo jam. Yeah, I think that's about it. There's been a few cover versions of this. I think the best one, Kimbra, has recently covered this in her live shows. I think the best cover version of this song is by Corinne Bailey Ray, who uh, covered this version in 2011 from memory, 2010, 2011. That's a cool version of this song if anyone wants to check it out. But, of course, the definitive version is by Prince. Yeah, it's it's surprising how well this stands up, you know, aside from the disco sounding part of this track. This still grooves really, really well so many, many years later. 
I imagine if this, if you, I'm not saying the drums are bad by any means, but if you imagine if you took the drum track out and replaced it with a Lindrum, it'd fit perfectly in that whole 1982 canon. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. In fact, you say 1982, Toe Jam. I say 2013. Yeah, maybe. You know, if you updated this song that took the bare bones of this song and did just a remake of it, if Prince did a remake of it in 2013 and just sent it around to a few radio stations, especially with the state of play with regards to what people are singing about these days, I think this would be a smash hit for sure. And it it was a hit back then, but it's a solid song. Uh, And with that, we go into track number two. Oh, uh, lyrics. Anyone going to say anything about lyrics? Sorry, sorry. Actually, I do have a note. I don't know why I didn't mention this. There's some great, as far as the lyrics are concerned, the one thing I will say is very, very clever, very simple, but clever effect Prince uh, employs during the chorus of this song where he says sings i want to be the only one that makes you come pause running (laughs) running but um that's that's a good uh that's a that's a playful way of um creating a some ambiguity around that line you know is he making you come or is he making you come running Uh but then at the end the last line it's he just says it straight out i want to be the only it's like forget about the, the hidden meaning i'm just gonna say it now you know captain even then you can take it two ways because is he yeah, saying yeah. you know or, or is he saying the one you want to see type intent behind that lyric you know i want to be your brother gee okay i want to be he- your mother and your sister too wow <laughs> uh, he just wants to be everything to the person that he's singing to which is kind of reminiscent to um what is it friend mother sister lover wife Similar kind of theme, isn't it? Yeah, similar. Probably less spiritual and more yeah, sexual. Yeah, but the same but... sort of thing. Like, he just wants to be everything, you know. And even if I was your girlfriend. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, I'll just bookend our thoughts on track number one by saying a definite theme emerges in this album with almost every song following that same theme. And it is, in my opinion, this cliched word, love, whether he's talking about who he's trying to get with, who he's thinking about, who's treating him so bad, we're about to get into that, to falling in love, to being alone, to love between people of various genders, maybe the same gender. It, it just keeps going on and on and on. And I've got a little bit to say about that, but before MC... I'll say <sighs> something about that. I'll say something about that. Keeps talking. You're, you're right. The early part of his career, it's mostly singing about love and sex, stuff like that. And then spirituality comes in here and there. And what's he singing about these days? His money, his cars, his house, and how great he is. <laughs> is am, I, am I wrong? Well, not totally. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's still sprinklings of love and romance songs. But we talk about the, the Love Symbol album. That's just a whole bragging album about how great he is. Well, people change, Captain. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you don't expect him to <laughs> stay the same, and and um, I think he's evolved. That's for sure. But um, De- devolved is that a word? The <laughs> I think you just coined a phrase. <laughs> no, that's a word. Uh, okay, I knew Tojem was listening. <laughs> Let, with that, let's go into track number two because we ain't got all night. Track number two. Why you wanna treat me so bad? Oh, poor little princey. All right, Captain, this one's yours. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first note too, actually. I've got that. Poor prince. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor, poor little man. <laughs> this, this was the second single. Came out four months after the album. 
another one-man band, except for, I think, some vocal harmonies by Andre Simone. After not playing this song for 29 years, he released a rehearsal version in 2009, and I... Not sure if he actually played it live or not, but it, he put the rehearsal version out there. He, he did play it live um, in Paris, late 2009, at the Grand Palais. There you go. This is another classic. After the first big classic Prince song, it's you can't review this. You can't review this album. You can't review these songs. It's just, we weren't there. I wasn't there. I can only look at it in the past and looking at these songs as... You know, this is a classic Prince song, because it is now. But I have no idea what I would have said if I was there when it came out. You're right. I wasn't born when it came out. So, who so, Anyway, this is another classic song. Second song, another great song. Great riff, great hook. I love the guitar. It's right there up front. It's a very strong chorus. And this is just a great example of songwriting. Leaps and bounds, I think, ahead of anything on For You which while possibly that might be more interesting musically with chord progressions and playing around with that stuff, this album just goes, bam, this is how you write a classic hit song. There you go. And I think between these, between For You and Prince, I think he, he listened to a lot of stuff and he, he went to music. He, went, he got musicology. He went to music school and learned how to write a damn good hook and a hit song because he, he did it. He's done it on the first two songs already. In the intro, when I was introduced, I said, sometimes you're so full of crap, because that's what I always thought the lyric in this song was. I know it's actually sometimes you're so full of pride, but crap sounds so much better to me. (laughs) And I went at least 10 years singing, sometimes you're so full of crap. (laughs) I just, I think that's so much better. If he ever sings it live again, sing it that way. It'll be just great. I want to hear that. I think it's at, it's at 145. He says, sometimes you're so full of pride, but I'm always going to sing crap. It's just it's just better. So that's my change to a classic Prince song, and that's how it is. Uh, you've got a guitar solo at 249, and again, he I think he went and studied a lot about music. You know, not actually sitting there reading a book, but just listening to everything. Well, which he'd probably done his entire life anyway, but listen to... I see what you're saying. It's it's like this album and, and this song is sort of representative of the of the album, I guess, in that it's it's more concise. The ideas are more mm. in your face. It's not sort of more like you're saying with chord progressions and things like this is like this is what it's got like three or four chords in the whole song, but the ideas are, are right there in your face. Yeah, but even just the the structure of that guitar solo, it's just it is it's more concise. It's like he just went and listened to everything, you know, that summer, whenever it was, because you know a guitar solo. You can just play any old crap, or you can have a really well-structured solo, and that's something you do, you can't just do instantly. That takes some some practice to to know how to do. And, and this, and the, the, yeah, the solo in this is very well structured. It's just one of the classic Prince guitar solos on record. I, mean, I think there's yeah. got to be like a bit of a build-up, and there's a whole there's a whole thing just to do the solo. Forget about you know arranging a whole song. Just the solo is a thing in itself. And getting it right. I mean, he could have done fifty takes. Who knows? Or he could have done three. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you love to like hear hear that it was first take or second take or something like that? That'd uh, just be a good a good little fact. <laughs> that was probably the line from the record company at the time. He recorded the album in three days. <laughs> <laughs> Not three months, which we all know. Oh yeah. Really now this took. one was this seven weeks. This one. Oh was yeah, okay. two months, whatever. The great solo, great song. That's that's it. 
Okay, let's let's keep with uh, Captain going to player. Player, what are your thoughts on this? This is the pop rock song of this album. Bambi is the hard rock, but this is more pop or radio friendly. The screeching guitars is a nice contrast to his falsetto vocals. I like this a lot, especially the guitar solo that features at the end and fades out. Also, the keyboards that interplay between the guitar is ear candy. It's really tangy. It's a tangy song. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's a great, great song. One of my favorites. I uh, I agree with you, but I'm going to go to Toe Jam first. Toe Jam, what are your thoughts on this track? Yeah, I think everything I had written down has been said. <clears throat> um, yeah, so it's basically two chords in the verse where it goes from A flat minor to G flat major, just sort of rotating between those two chords. Uh, really simple stuff. It's a poor print song, but I like the you know I like the chorus. That's really strong. Why you want to treat me so bad when you know I love you? Bang! That's really poppy and memorable. The second verse, like player was saying, there's a bit of keyboard humor going on where he talks about being satisfied, and the keyboard goes do 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 do, sort of a bit humorous there. It's a really soaring song, isn't it? I always imagine like soaring in the air with those guitar solos. And I like the way the solo, as we've been talking about, you know, goes, and then it just gets stuck on this one little, and then the second one comes on top of that. Really nice effect. And I imagine that would have been a really cool live moment as well when he started playing it with Des, um, playing that bit together. That would have been really cool. Yeah, like dueling. So yeah, I think I think most of the things been said. It's very poppy. It's very rocky. Uh, it's good. It's good. All right, all right. So this to me is. All of you guys have said it's pretty much a classic song, and it is a classic song. It's tied with another track as the best on this album for me. I love it. I abs- absolutely love this song. I, l- I first heard it, to be completely truthful, uh, which we always are on the Peach and Black podcast. I heard this song first on the Hits, or Hits 2, one of those. I don't know. which. I can't remember which one it's on. But I heard it there first. Then I heard it in the context of this album, and it, it sounds so much better on this album just because it fits in with the sound of the rest of the songs. I love it. Have I said that enough yet? <laughs> There's some great lyrics in here. I play the fool when we're together, but I cry when we're apart. I couldn't do you no better. Don't break what's left of my broken heart. Great oh. lyrics. Great <laughs> lyrics. You know, that could come off so trite and uh, I've said this before, lame. What's cool hands. about it? Just just hearing you say it then, it sounds like a really sad, sappy, slow love song, you know, but it's not. It's this real in-your-face rocker. Yeah, exactly. And, and the music, the music give, there's such energy in this song. And it's almost like you want to do a fist pump. It's like, yeah, why you want to treat me so bad? <laughs> it doesn't make sense if, in that regard. But I think that's what makes it really cool. And uh, Toe Jam, your point about, you know, that it sounds so, I reckon 99% of people would, uh, t- two things, 99% of people would read the lyrics or would read the title of this song and they'd think like Moby. Why does my heart feel so bad? Type music, and uh, <laughs> and if you're an artist and and you just came up with those lyrics, I reckon nine times out of ten you're gonna end up with a like a stormy ballad or a, a really kind of down tempo sad song. Basically, we've talked about a few times before where he's taken you know a sad story and put it to like happy music or vice versa. This could be like the first time he's done that. Possibly, this, yeah. This music could have totally different lyrics. And that'd be well, we fine. don't know because uh, I'm yours might have been one, but who the hell knows what he's saying in that song? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. But, Can't but understand you, anything. You're right, Captain, because. And, and I think even Prince could record a, a, a very serious emotional song. Like, you look at the chorus and you could almost imagine him singing, Why you want to treat me so bad? You know, he could, he could come up with like a little blues take on it, but he doesn't. He just this, goes. This, 
He, he might do a reloaded version like Little Red Corvette. Ooh. Don't get me hoping, player. Uh. <laughs> and just more great lyrics. You know, you know, I try so hard to keep you satisfied. And you used to say I was the best you ever had and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, and the, best, it, the best lyric is sometimes you're so full of crap. It's <laughs> the best lyric on the whole album. Yeah. So anyway, there's, there's some great lyricism in this, uh, as simple as it, as it is. It's it's honest. It's conf- you know this is Prince in my mind being confessional and confessional in a way that he that he I think moved away from for a good chunk of his career and then started coming back to around the gold experience emancipation era. But uh, it's you know it's heartfelt and this is just a jam. One of my favorite songs on this album and of this era. I would love to hear it live this year or any other year. Bring it back, Prince and the MPG. Okay, so. Track number three, and the hits just keep on coming. Sexy Dancer. Player. This is primarily an instrumental. Actually, it's more like a dub, uh, because it doesn't really have any lyrics other than the chorus. Again, with the interplay, everything just fits like a key to a lock or pieces to a puzzle. The musical elements just fit and nothing crowds or gets in the way of each other. It's just a real cool, hard groove. Uh, a lot of break dancers back in the day would use this to their to do their routines and it has that funk edge to it. The piano solo has that real Minneapolis sound, Jimmy Jam style piano tinkering. The guitars, the chicken grease. I love this song a lot and again, I think it was put here to display his instrumental and solo abilities and capabilities. And I really, really like this song. Still still sounds hot today. All right, all right, all right. Toe Jam. Uh, yeah, it's just a big groove, isn't it? And you've got those big accents on, what, 4-eander and 2-eander. So really weird places to have mm. accents. Um, but it's really, really cool. It makes it really funky. You've got those moans at 1 minute 29. That's the only bit. It's like, you know, that, that's the kind of thing that stops me from being able to play this in the car with other people. <laughs> yeah. It's always a bit of an annoying. But other than that, you know, he's only 20. Can't complain. Um, the bass is really funky, isn't it? Just the bass is, is talking <coughs> all the way through. Uh, even if it's just kind of repetitive, but that's what it's good for. Uh, the keyboard swells. You know, it's, again, it's, that's, it is that early Minneapolis sound where he's using those sort of Oberheim sort of synthy sounds to replicate what horns would be doing in the James Brown tradition, those swells and hits and things like that. Uh, you've got probably the first genuine chicken scratch going on in the guitar, so that's really cool. Uh, and it's one of those grooves he brings back every now and then, every couple of years. It's back in the live set as a groove, and it's pretty cool. Cool, cool, cool. Captain. This was the third single from the album, seven months after the album came out. A single? I, wow. This was... The, this is the weird thing. I always thought it was funny. First three singles off this album are the first three tracks on the album released as singles in the order that they are on the album. That's bizarre. The first track, that was the first single. The second track, that was the second single. Third track, third single. In order. That's just... Has that ever happened ever? Probably not. Any other not. Prince album, any, any other album anywhere. Who knows? It's just weird. But can this album get any better? This has to be one of the best first three songs on any Prince album that I can think of right now. It's a strong opening. It's just a killer intro. One, two, three. Just greatness. Musically, there's not much there at all. But as a foray into a funk jam, it's excellent. You've got the funky bass line. You've got the guitar licks throughout. And it's just funk. And Toe Jam said, you've got those big synth stabs in the chorus. And they're even funkier because they're not on the beat. They're on, they're on the half. 
and it's just that that's funk that's that's it right there but the cool thing also with that main synth line is it isn't just one i can hear at least two one's doing the main synth line there's another one that sounds a bit like a flute sound and that's playing a harmony and then there's another one sort of mixed somewhere in the back and that sounds like a bit horn like and they're panned left and right so you can mm. hear them separately it's and they just kind cool of interplay stuff. with each other eh? yeah they do it's just cool stuff but you can look at the lyrics to this song and go well that's a bit immature that's just sexy dancer i want your body that that's it but then you forget about that you just listen to the music and the funk and you're like doesn't even need lyrics who cares yeah it's more of an instrumental eh? <laughs> it's it's just great anyway it doesn't matter what the lyrics are i love that there's a little bass build up at 327 just before the piano solo and then funky funky piano solo i could be wrong but this song is a very important thing in prince history this song was the first ever extended version of a prince track album version is uh, about 5.18. Extended version, a monster 8 minutes and 50 seconds of song. So that's that's a big thing. This is the, his first extended version. The first of many great, great extended versions. This was the first one. And it's, it's not a bad one to start off with, I think. And that's it. Wow. What, what more can I add? Uh, it's a classic song. It's the best funk workout so far in his career. And I think Tojo mentioned this. The first real funk workout, too. You get the chicken stretch... And you get him really stretching out. You know, there were parts on For You the way he started stretching out, but then he curtailed it back a little bit. The end part of I Want to Be Your Lover on this album, you know, gives us a clue as to what's going to happen. But Sexy Dancer really is the funk jam of the album. And again, this doesn't date. I mean, this is just, this has been played live in the last few years. I think ever since the uh, O2 shows in London. Just a massive jam, you know, so early in his career and he's producing, I hate to use the word because it sounds cliche, especially on this show at the moment, but it's just classic Minneapolis sound and it's classic Prince sound. I think probably the most beautiful lyrics he's ever written in his life. Um <laughs> Classic Prince lyrics. Yeah. Is that just, the inhale or the exhale bit? <gasps> I, I like the bit in between the inhale and the exhale, actually. it's. <laughs> I think he does that really well. The key thing in, in this is the groove and he kills it. He's almost at controversy level here for me, but obviously controversy just hit it out, out of the park and the world was never the same. But this is awesome. Is it pure ear candy? I mean, come on. Like Captain said, one, two, three, bang, bang, bang. It's the triple threat opener to this album. Kills it. Killing it. Kills it. And with that, we go into track number four. Since I'm already talking, I might just open this up. The name of the song is When We're Dancing Close and Slow. I was privileged, is the word I'll use, to witness a live performance of this at North Sea Jazz in July 2011. A great moment on that little tour. And Andy Allo joined him on the vocals there. It was seduction supreme that night when they did this song. A surprise live outing for this track too. But back to the um, studio version. Toe James, you said that there's this parts of Sexy Dancer that you don't want to play when people are in your car. Depending on who you've got in your car, this could be a great song to play. Or it could be entirely the wrong song for the wrong moment. Because <laughs> this, is, this isn't filthy. This is just sassy sensual almost erotic i would say it's got this haunting quality with a lovely guitar strumming and and the piano flourishes really haunting really eerie really soothing in a strange way a very emotive song i love this as, as well 
to me, this is the just again classic <laughs> Prince uh, production on this album. It's one, two, three, and four great tracks, and we're not even at the halfway point. Uh, and with that, let's go to Captain. We all knew the one, two, three run of killer tracks that couldn't last forever. That's oh. when we get to track four. Oh God! What are we gonna do with you, Captain? Damn. This is the first ballad on the album. It's got some nice acoustic guitars, and then a second one comes in later on doing some stuff, and they sound really nice. It's not my favorite track of the album, but there's some cool stuff in there. But the funniest part of this track is when Monkey calls his flying cloud. Best part in the whole song. It happens like three or four times. Say what? I know what he's talking about. What? Toe Jam knows what I'm talking about. That's the best bit in the whole song. Who knows Monkey? Toe Jam knows Monkey. Monkey Magic. Monkey Japanese. Ma- oh, yeah, I know Monkey Magic. What's Japanese that got to do with story, this? Japanese story, Journey to the West. He calls his, in the TV series, he used to do this thing and he'd call his flying cloud. And it's, it's not exactly the same, but it always reminds me of that every time I hear it. It's at 158, it's again at 423, and then a couple more times. You know, you know what I'm talking about, MC? I, I actually don't, don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea either. <laughs> but I do oh. know Monkey Magic, so yeah. It's been he a while. A- he had a flying cloud, and he used to call it by making this stupid wind sound. All right, we're out of control now. We are officially out of control. I gotta get you back. I gotta get you back into. The- but yeah, that's the best bit in this whole song. It's my favorite part. Just, just when those weird synth sounds come in as well at about 4:23. I think the thing that saves this song for me is the drums. I think without them, it'd be a pretty boring song. It is sound too slow, but the drums there keeps the tempo going, keeps me interested, and I think this would be a great song to do if he ever wants to do like some sort of unplugged thing with just acoustic guitars. Keep it short, two or three minutes. It'd be really nice. Get Andy McKee back. It'd be killer. Just get those two. Listen to the last minute of this song and imagine Prince and Andy jamming on this. That'd be good. I didn't want to butt in, but Captain, you just blew my mind. I can't believe... With Andy McKee in the band, now that I think of it, they didn't do this. How did they not? This was this would have been an Andy McKee showcase. It would have been great. And instead he's like strumming away to mountains and no one can hear anything he's playing. <laughs> Some things will never be explained. <laughs> Pretty much. Player, what are you what are your thoughts on this song? Oh man, how good is this song? What? what? The, yeah, this is very dreamy and hypnotic. The piano and guitar are highlights musically. The drums keep a consistent, steady beat that remains all the way through. I agree with you there, Captain. The lyrics are great. Um, some of the ones are, I can almost taste the thoughts within your mind. And the straight out, I want to come inside you. You know, he's just laying it out there. It's just I haven't, heard, I haven't heard that bit. Yeah, yeah. It's because you don't listen to the lyrics, to the whole Captain. Song. So yeah, you've exactly. got to start listening to the lyrics. Ah. He writes them down for a reason, you know. <laughs> It's just classic and four songs in and the material's really strong. And as you said, MC, he brought this back live at North Sea Jazz. And it just makes me wonder why he doesn't revisit this one more often. And I also agree with the the last minute with the acoustic guitars and the keyboard. It it sounds like it's sort of springing around everywhere in in the headphones when I listen to it. It's really cool. Yeah. Monkey magic. Yes, it is cool. And speaking of cool, here's the man himself, Toe Jam. Round out this review of When We're Dancing. Close and slow. It's one of those songs that if you're just listening to it, you know, in the car, you might skip it. But if you're all alone and you've got your headphones on, it's a really nice song, isn't it? It's all about the atmosphere. It's all very subtle. It's in the the mode of B. Lydian. So an interesting key, interesting mode. Obviously, that sort of, I don't know what you'd call it, that those kind of four notes. 
always reminded me of um, you know the close in, you know in Close Encounters of the Third Kind how it has that little do 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 do. It always reminded me of that. It's like oh, Prince is calling the aliens. Oh, they're flying clouds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it's just a nice little interesting. And again, it's sort of those sort of that, Prince dreamy songs that you know it's this very unique atmosphere to it. Uh, and like we've all said, at, at from about three minutes thirty nine, the guitars in the background start becoming a bit more rhythmic. There's a bit more synth effects going on, and, and it's sort of it's almost like being outside at night, and suddenly you start noticing the the crickets chirping. You know, you notice that there's more things there than there than there were before. So it's a nice little effect. But it, it can be a little bit skippable if you're not really in the mood for it. That thing that you're talking about, the Close Encounters, it actually kind of sounds like the line in Ice Cream Castles. Yeah. Same sort of idea. Same, yeah. Okay, okay. You know what this also sounds like is on the Truth album, you had mostly acoustic stuff with a bunch of weird sound effects chucked over the top of it. It all started here. Actually, or did it start on 4U? I think on 4U he had the death laser on 4U. Crazy You. Yeah, it was on Crazy You. <laughs> yeah. He had, you know, Star Wars going on in there. And then here, here again, he's got this, this, gets the sound effects out. He loves that, like, concept. Let's do a nice just guitars and vocals and sound effects too. That'll make it, that'll make it so much better. <laughs> Classic. MC. Yeah. So, are you guys with me? Because uh, I'm all with you. And um, Side two. I'm all Side with two. you. That doesn't make any sense. I'm with you all. Side two. Track number five, it's called With You. I don't want to offend anyone. Just say this is, this is a skipper. Yep. This is way too sugary. And that's basically it. This song reminds me of the first album. And everything else about, you know, the first four tracks on this album are pretty much all killer. Incredible material, great evolution from Prince. And this feels like a For You leftover. And the only other thing I'll mention, and I truly, truly feel very passionately about this. Not only should have this song been left off this album, but in doing that, when you go from track number four, when we're dancing close and slow with that quiet outro, and I've done this both in my car and on my portable music player, with Bambi, I don't want to know what you do in your with, car. With, ba- with Bambi as the song that follows when we're dancing close and slow, the impact of that intro of Bambi is so, so much stronger. And the album takes a turn. The album just exponentially becomes so much greater automatically. But unfortunately, I'm reviewing an album that doesn't exist because <laughs> the official release... <laughs> has track number five with you. And to me, it's, a, it's pure skipper. You know, You're saying this is the most skippable this track. This is the most skippable track. It's okay. It's a decent enough little little ditty, little song. I, I don't enjoy listening to it. And, and I think it, it would be much better off served on For You, if at all, if it was released at all. So that's my review. And with that, we go straight to Toe Jam. I'm pretty much in agreement there. And did someone say that this was the start of side two on the LP? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, even on that respect as well, like you're starting, you're starting a record with this one. Oh, Bambi would have been much better. I agree. It's pretty skippable. There's some nice little guitar at 301. It's a nice little. Well, even the chord progression is pretty straightforward. It's pretty boring. Just C and F and sort of going around C major. But then it has a nice little F minor major seven chord. That sort of pause before it moves on. 
that's the only sort of interesting bit. Uh, and then it has this weird big chord ending where it goes C, A flat, E flat, F or something. It's like, what? Yeah, Is that necessary? It's like, it seems a bit seems a bit forced, that ending, doesn't it? Yeah, so most skippable. Ooh, yeah, just two out, two out of four, most skippable. Just before we go to player on this, I, I do want to say that the lyrics of this song, which is something I didn't talk about, they're, they're fairly short. There's only a, a few paragraphs that make up the lyrics. As simple as they are, they're very sweet. And yep. they could, the, the lyrics themselves have potential if they were delivered in a different way. They They really convey a message that I think, I hope, all of us have felt at some time. And they certainly... Re- uh, you know, it's a universal theme of wanting to be with someone. But, yeah, the music just lets it down. Again, th- those lyrics are really nice. But that, like, synth string line, yep. it's, it's, it's really corny. Like, in all the other songs prior to this on For You and up until now, I love that stuff, that long synth keyboard sound going on in the background. But this one's there and it's just annoying. It's really corny. Agreed. <laughs> there we go. Player. Yeah, you come in as the third one on this. It's... This is just a bit too slow for me. The tempo is at the level where I'm reaching for the skip button. For the positive, though, the lyrics are really nice. And as you said, MC, they have a sweet sentiment. But compared to the caliber of the other tracks, it's one of the weakest or second weakest on this album. I'll also give him a point on the vocal delivery. The way he sings, his his voice is on point. It's really smooth. But yeah, I think maybe the Jill Jones version would have to be the definitive one. So yeah, I'd skip this. Ooh, three from three on most skippable tracks. It's all up to Captain now. Let's see Who what he knows has, what I'm going to gonna say about a sappy ballad. <laughs> <laughs> Two ballads in a row. What was he thinking? I mean, on, on the CD, sure, it's, it's two ballads in a row. On the LP, why would you start a side with a ballad? Especially one like this. Like player said, it's a bit slow. It's slower. It's just slower than the last track, but it seems so much slower. It just seems to drag <laughs> on and on. But there's always seems to be something going on, so I, I don't get too bored. But it's it's a bit too slow. It's got nice lyrics. These we were talking before about this sort of lyric with this sort of song. Put these lyrics on the music for Bambi, and then see what you get. That'd be something else. That'd be something else altogether. <laughs> that would literally be something else, Captain. <laughs> Player already beat me to it. Jill Jones put out a version on her album, 1987. It's better than this one by a, a fair bit, I'd say. It's got a little solo, nice short solo. The guitars sound nice. It sounds like there's at least three guitars playing at the same time. They're very tight. It's very tightly done. But you can hear that there's there's a bunch of guitars there. Uh, it's relaxed and loose. Toe Jam said the big end. I think he got to the end of this song and he's like, not much happened there. <laughs> Let's do a big end. And then he does a bunch of chords. I'm not going to say this is most skippable track, actually. So I'm, I'm, I, I couldn't give it four out of four. Are you saving gonna, that, I'm, or is that? I'm gonna. Uh, I can't tell you that. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna leave it at three to one. Most skippable track. This is not it, I think. You know, I've been doing this show for a while now, and we all have. That is one of the biggest surprises. I was, <laughs> I was so expecting <laughs> for Captain to say a four from four, most skippable track. <laughs> Here we go. I but you've done it again, guessing. Captain. <laughs> I'm just re- you'd think that I planned that, but that's what, that's what I wrote. I wrote all my notes. That's what it's in there. We don't collude. We don't uh, talk to each other before we record, ladies and gentlemen, Peach no. and Black listeners. So you never know what we're going to say. We don't know what we're going to say half the time, but that's another story. <laughs> and with that, we go into track number six, Bambi. <laughs> Bambi. 
Not a great vocal delivery by MC on that, but the track is called Bambi. It is track number six. Let's get straight into this player. Okay, this is the big hard rock track. And even today, you can put this on and still rock out, air guitar or whatever. The riffs are crazy. The lyrics are pretty much spelled out for you. And you can hear the aggression. It's almost like he's frustrated with Bambi, pretty much saying he could love her better. It makes me wonder if Bambi was based on a real person or if it's purely a fictional character. That I'd like to know. I don't think you can get that aggression from, from fiction. Well, yeah, that had to be had to be based on something. Based on something, happened. yeah. Whenever he brings this out live, you know it's pretty much on. Even as recent as the Jimmy Fallon and the infamous guitar smashing finale, this is just um, all-time classic. Doesn't date. It's just one of his staples of the rock genre. Very very cool song. It's one of my favorites. Okay, Captain, surprise us all once again. Huh. You can't get that aggression from a fiction. This has to be based on something that happened. That's what I say. But what do I know? This was the fifth single from the album. This album had a lot of singles. It was, it was big, big time. Came out 11 months after the album. But it was only released in Belgium and the Netherlands, where it was the one and only single release from the album. So I don't know who was making those decisions, but anyway. First of all, killer guitar riff. It's absolutely up there in his top 10 best guitar riffs that, he, that he's ever done. That's what I say. It's got, it's got some killer like slap bass most of the way through this track, but I never noticed it until I really got in the headphones and blasted my ears with it. Listen to the bass. There's some bass in this song. It's just great. Just about two minutes in, you've got the guitar solo, another well-crafted, nice melodic solo. Uh, then 316, there's another one. It's, it's great stuff. And I think Prince is proud of this track. He's performed it for the majority of his tours. You know, he's played it a lot. And he wouldn't do that if he didn't like it. Uh, there's only been a few tour set lists, I think, which didn't hear this song at some point. Well, it's, it's mainly an after show one, isn't it? I mean, he doesn't play yeah. it in the, in the main shows, but it, it's always there in the after show set list. Like, well, somewhere along the line. I mean, you can even look at Diamonds and Pearls tour. There was still, I think, one show where he played Bambi in the main show. And you know what? There was a story behind that. I remember reading it. He like, he tripped over or something happened, something made him angry, and then he went into Bambi. So if this, this is such a, you know, aggression-based song, because I remember reading somewhere, like report at the time, I think it was in Paris or Belgium or somewhere, something happened, like he hit his head on a light or something happened, and he made him so angry, he just went straight into Bambi, which he hadn't played at all on the tour. It wasn't in the set list, but, you know, he got angry, and this is the song he went to. I think that's really interesting. And, of course, we can't not mention this song without mentioning T.C. Ellis and his great rap version uh, of this track. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> uh, cool. True Confessions, That's 1991. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, like, I like that version. Almost Funky, as much as I like... You took my money and ran off <laughs> with your brand new honey. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I almost like it as much as MC Hammer's version of She's Soft and Wet. But yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a playlist we got to get there's right. a playlist. <laughs> But Bambi is great. It's a very aggressive-based rock song, and I like it a lot. The end. Ooh, 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 two positive reviews for Bambi. Are we starting a trend here? We're going to go to Toe Jam. Let's see if he waxes lyrical about yeah. Bambi. 
Well, compare this to I'm Yours. I think I said this when we did For You. I think I said when we did I'm Yours, I said this isn't Bambi. And the reason for that is because just Bambi is such a better rock song. It's like we were saying earlier, it's so much more clear in its ideas. Like the riffs are right in your face. The, uh, the message is right in your face. And C sharp is a really cool key to play these kind of bluesy things on guitars because you've got the E string. You can ring out the minor third really well, that low E string. I like the way in the verses, you know, it's, it's, it quietens down. It's F sharp and E just going back and forth and it's nice and soft. But then it builds up to the Bambi. And, you know, Bambi's just bang on the one and everything's cranking and smashing. And I love the way the um, the riff is sort of two things. Like you've got the, the rhythm guitar going up. Dun, 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 and then you've got the lead line going. Brow, 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 brow. So it's going down. So you've got this sort of up and down thing going, which is really cool. You've got some woodblock in there, just hitting it on the beat. Nice little woodblock. Uh, oh, a bit yeah. Of a... How did I not mention that? I <laughs> did hear the, that. The precursor to Endorphin yeah. Machine woodblock. Right, right here. Another big, huge rock song. There you go. It's woodblock. That's where it all comes from. It's all started. Yeah. I love the killer. I don't know if you could call it a bridge or a solo section, but when that solo starts, that really flying section, it just takes off there. Uh, and then that guitar solo is pretty wicked. I love the bit. This is a bit of a funny bit, actually. I don't. It's not meant to be funny on purpose. But when he sings, you know, you need to be loved by a man. Because, you know, he's speaking, singing the falsetto the whole time. But then he, he sort of brings it down to his male voice at this point. But it's like he's still only 20 and he's, you know, he still sounds like a little kid. So it's like, <laughs> you need to be loved by a man. <laughs> right, <here. laughs> Um <laughs> Need to bleed. Baby, you need to bleed. Ooh, there we go. That's pretty out there. What? In the, in the, baby, you need to bleed. That's in there. Wow. Did you never notice that. Wow. Captain, yeah. I'm, I'm saying this again. You need to start paying attention to the words. <laughs> oh, don't look now. There's a river of blood. He loves these lyrics, doesn't he? <laughs> wow. Wow. That's don't look now, say. Bambi. There's a river of blood. No, no. <laughs> uh, in the guitar solo, there's one little... Like, if anyone was doubting Prince's guitar ability... I think there's one little bit, and I've got it 3 minutes 37, it's just after the, like, the solo started, and he does this, and then, like, this really simple little run, but it's like, you hear that, and you think, wow, this, this, this guy's got some chops, and so that's really the first time I hear that, and go, well, there's, there's bits of that on your, I'm yours, I guess, I shouldn't say that, but this is a really professional song, like, everything's going, the rock's going, the songwriting's going, the arrangement's going, the lyrics are there, it's all there, Prince Classic, not my favourite on the album, but probably second. Yeah, yeah, the, the cat can certainly play, can't he? I mean, this is just one-man band 101 as far as Prince's performance is concerned. Great drumming, great bass playing, great vocalising, great harmonising, uh, both in the vocals and in with the guitar work. Great guitar playing, great story. The lyrics here are really good. Um, <laughs> I find it funny... And I'm going to read the first paragraph only because I think it's such a brilliant way to open this song and set the scene. I knew from the start that I loved you with all my heart, but you were untrue. He had another lover and she looked just like you. <laughs> just, come on. That is that is pop songwriting with a twist. Genius. With a twist. It's with it's you know it's not just the the generic stuff that you hear. You're right, Captain. It is. It's brilliant. Um, what can't you understand? It's just better with a man. It's brilliant. So simple, but yet effective. Yeah. Very effective. Um, but then you've got the other, the other classic line: "All your lovers, they look just like you, but they can only do the <laughs> things that you do." That's great. It yeah. is great, and it is great. And then when he finishes on, when he finishes the song with "Bambi, I know what you need." Bambi, maybe you need to bleed. It's um, it's almost it reminds me of Alice Cooper, in a way. It's just very, uh -huh. very gruesome and tough and. 
you know, this song is hell yeah. That's what I'm going to say. This, this shit is, f- forgive me for saying this. We're on the Peach and Black podcast, but you know what? Just like Howard Stern on Sirius FM, we can say whatever we want. No one is regulating our airwaves, listeners. This, <laughs> this shit is badass. It is badass and it's rocking. And on top of all of that, it's freaking funny. It's just yeah, a- it is. <laughs> you know, on top of all that, he adds the humor into it. This is a brilliant song. No wonder he's bringing it back with Third Eye Girl. And I say that as if I've never heard that live. This is another chance for MC to gloat. I heard this at North Sea Jazz and Toe Jam said he only plays this at after shows or or most of the time anyway. Well, he pulled it out that night and it <laughs> blew my head off. It blew my head off. You know, the guitar solo on that, ridiculous. The guy's in another world. He's possessed when he plays this thing. I love it. I absolutely love it. This is tied with Why You Want to Treat Me So Bad as the best two songs on this album. What more can I say? Other than, let's go into track number seven. And uh, the title of that is two words, Still Waiting. Now, just before I take this to... um, captain or toe jam or player i just want to say sometimes i wake up and i think to myself you know this should really be my theme song do any of you know why Mm, no i'll tell you why i'll take you back to march 2009 is that a clue mc's still waiting for his lotus flower (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt of course oh no i can't let me be honest that's not the first thing that i think of when i hear this song it's a good track, but I'll give it to someone else. Uh, Toe Jim. Um, Uh-oh. It's a hard one to review. It's a hard one to review. It's not bad. I like it better than With You, definitely. It's got a bit of a country twinge to it. There's definitely a bit of humor going on as well, which adds to it. The synth hook is kind of funny. Uh, it's another poor Prince song. You know, oh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. So what's that? The third or fourth one? If you can sort of count Bambi into that as well, can't you? Uh, a poor Prince song, you know, he's yeah, not getting the women. Got rejected. It's yeah, well, he's only twenty. He's got to wait a couple of years, you know. Um, <laughs> pretty straightforward, simple song, really. G G B C D chords, very standard kind of chord progression. I think it kind of displays his versatility as a songwriter. I think this song may have been better as a song given to someone else because it's it's you know it's all right, but it's not really amazing or it, it's I don't want to say it's skippable, but. In the context of this album, it is a little bit skippable. You've got the turnaround at the end, you know, waiting for the love, waiting for the love. Happens three times. Good little songwriting technique. So, there's like, you know, there's things there. It's a good song. I like the, the sort of humour behind it all. But, yeah, it's it's all right. Interesting. Player. Yeah, this is a bit too countrified for my liking with that honky-tonk piano. It does have its moments. The keyboard lead line is a highlight. There's some nice chord progressions and changes at the tail end of the chorus, but I think if this was reworked or reloaded, it would definitely have some unearthed potential. But presented like this, I'm reaching for the skip button along with with you. Hmm. Interesting. Captain. Listen to you. You're probably going to say you love this song. Oh, okay. This was the third single released from this album. Came out five months after the album. Only released in the USA and New Zealand, of course. Why not? 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just pick any random country and just leave it there. In New Zealand, they're still waiting for it to arrive, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to um, Marty. Lust. Yeah, Lust, Marty and, yeah. and Lust, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How funny would it be if like, there's this secret... 14-minute version of Still Waiting that only New Zealanders know, know about. And none, no one else knows. It's a national secret. 14-minute <laughs> version of Still Waiting. It's only in New Zealand. Yeah, this sounds like some sort of weird country hybrid mixed with something else. I don't know. It's got a nice chorus. It's got nice acoustic guitars. Uh, 205, you get a little nice multi-track vocals there. And Toe Jam already beat me to it. You've got that repeating the end of that, the last line of the chorus, showing his songwriting abilities growing, getting better. Uh, overall, I think it's not a great track, but again, I'm not saying most skippable track. Could be, well, well yeah, it's, it's up there with the weakest, but I'm not saying skippable. That's interesting, isn't it, MC? It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Were you uh, pretty much done there? Yep, all done. Hmm. Go. If there was ever a sleeper, if there was ever that little quiet track that no one seemed to rave on about, this might be the one. This is a fantastic song. I knew it. And and I'll tell you why. I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not going to go crazy like I did with uh, Bambi and Why You Want to Treat Me So Bad. Those are obviously exceptional songs. This is in a category of its own, and I'm going to go a little bit philosophical here. I'll start my review of this song by saying that both Lionel Richie and probably more so Smokey Robinson would be extremely jealous and envious of this song in the sense that they wish they wrote it. And in their hands, for some reason, I think it would have been a bigger hit, not because they would have delivered it in a in a more effective way, but I just think it's more up their alley. It's what those two guys are known for and, and singers like them. And uh, this is a song that can easily pass you by. One of the key reasons why I think this is a fantastic song is purely due to the words. And I don't want to go too deep on this. And for anyone out there listening, I'll explain very quickly why, because I don't want this discussion to become about Prince per se. But he's always said that he's an open book. And I think as well executed and as vocally tremendous as this is, I mean, this is sweet as chocolate, as a chocolate milkshake to me, the production and, and, and the um, arrangement and the delivery of the, of the, of the words uh, through Prince's singing, all beautiful. But read the words on a page. Forget about the music. Just, just one day, look up the lyrics to this. Make sure you get the right lyrics. I find them very sad, to be completely blunt. I think he's wrapped up his emotions into this song and he's made a pop song out of the way he was feeling and potentially i think we've all felt you know i hope we haven't but i think a lot of people have felt this way in, in one sense or another maybe not exactly what he's what he's writing about but this feeling of longing for something whether it's still waiting for a from a romantic point of view for a person or for something even deeper than that this is a song about loneliness i'm not going to start a rant because i could easily talk about the implications of this song on prince's entire career but i don't want to get too heavy on this show there's a couple of really good lines in this the love my friends rap about i keep anticipating i try so hard but don't you know my patience is fading fading away great lyricism then some simple lines people say that i'm too young too young to fall in love 
but they don't know. They really don't know. That's all I've been dreaming of. I think in our For You review, some of us mentioned, you know, what's Prince singing about love for? What would he know? He's 18 or 19 years old. Well, you come to this album and he's kind of responded to our to, to our um, critique. He's saying, well, what are you talking about? Just because I'm young or relatively young doesn't mean, you know, I don't have feelings and I don't have emotions and all this kind of stuff. And I think he makes a great point. Um, so, thanks, Prince, for coming on the show and clearing that up. Um, I spend my nights just a crying and I spend my days just a trying to find a love to call my own because I'm sick and tired of being alone. That line particularly is probably one of the most piercing and honest lines he's ever released in his entire discography. And I kid you not, this is how strongly I feel about this. But he's done it in a way that is very easily overlooked by most people. And he's at least he's let it out. Uh, like you know? overlooked by us dummies. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I could keep going on and on, but I won't. Let's go into track number eight and get this show back on the road. Hey, get some energy into this. Track number eight is, of course, I Feel For You. Famously covered by Chaka Khan, Chaka Khan, turn me on. Miss Chaka uh-huh. Khan. And uh, let's go into this. player. The first taste I had of this song is the Chaka Khan version. And I think out of all the... Prince cover versions, the Shaka Khan version would have to be one of the best just because of its DNA. You know, it's written by Prince, it's sung by Shaka, the rap's Melly Mel, the harmonica Stevie Wonder, it's produced by Arif Martin. I mean, it has all the elements to a classic pop song. And when you put it up against this, it kind of pales in comparison, but this still has its merits and its charms. It's radio friendly pop, it's bright, it's happy, a little bit Stevie, a little bit Sly Stone. The bass is definitely Larry Graham. It just screams of Larry Graham, the bass parts in this. And also, too, is that a real horn or a keyboard solo? Awful keyboard. Keyboard, yeah. It's keyboard, yeah. Because I was going to say, if it's real, who's playing it? My overall conclusion is I like this song, but I love the Shaka version. Toe Jam. All right. This is my favorite song on the album. I think it's an absolute perfect pop song. I'm really torn about which one I prefer, actually. I prefer Shaka's version just in terms of that 80s sound, but I, I think this is this holds its own just as well, I think. Really classic, clear, sugary keyboard synth riff hook going all the way through it. Interesting chords. The whole, the main, you know, it starts off saying, i got a warm feeling inside, and that's what the whole song feels to me like. It's like this real positive, uh, happy song. The second verse, you've got those long synth strings come in again. At 2.12, you've got that fake trumpet. You know, it, it sounds a bit fake, but it's, that's all right. I, I can hold it. For me, though, from 2 minutes 25, it just sort of goes back and forth, and it's just building slowly, slowly, slowly. Uh, it's just sort of, I'm going to say a dead patch, but it's a dead patch for a good reason, because it just sort of hangs there, and you think, Where, where's, this, where's this song going? It's just kind of hanging there, and you've got those octave basses starting coming in, and then it's just bang, and I think that's just like, that's one of those Prince moments, I think. And I think this was probably like the maybe the third or fourth song because I was like MC. I had the hits one as the first disc I had. You know, I bought it for nineteen ninety nine, and then I think Alphabet Street and Pop Life stood out to me next. And then I think this was one of those other ones where kind of one of those moments when you start to realise, hang on, there's more to this guy than what you first think. Because that moment for me, that moment is just like a 
an absolute. You know the moment I'm talking about, right? When those keyboards come in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the timing of that, the way it's like, you know, he could have like the Shaka Khan version. He could have started with that, and we've been, oh wow, it's this big. But like the timing of that to leave that right at the end, I think is is really amazing because it's like it's towards the end of the album. Two forty three is where it is. Yeah. And it's just out of nowhere. It's just pop. Da 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 da. And the bass as well in that bit's just dump, dump, dum dum dum. Really cool. Like uh, that's this moment here is up there in one of my favorite Prince moments in his entire career. Just that when that comes in, every time I, I just like I crank it up when that bit comes in. It's really cool. And then his vocal as well in the background of that bit. He starts doing those ah oh, yeah, ah oh, yeah, and it's just got that little bit of twang to it. And it's just like yeah, this is you know you can really see like that that seed for dirty mind and controversy 1999 it's all it's all just happening here for me um so this is probably up there one of my favorite tracks ever um just in terms of because it's whoa probably yeah because it's probably it's, the it's, it's, it's i no, think it's, it's no love. strange but true no no that, that's a different league let's not go there <laughs> <laughs> but i think for me it's one of those songs like it's probably the third or fourth song that I, I started to realize whoa hang on a second this this guy's the real deal kind of thing it's uh, one guy yeah and it's it's only 30 seconds sit down <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's only, what is it, 20 seconds. But that 20 seconds for me is just like, that is a piece of musical genius right there for me. There we go. Awesome. <laughs> Another bombshell on the show. I Feel For You is one of the greatest Prince songs of all time. Courtesy of Toe Jam. Player. Uh, sorry. Toe, uh, Toe Jam. No. Captain. <laughs> Am I excited okay. or what? Captain. Okay. Three words to say about this song. Not a single. This was yeah, not weird released is that? as a single. Yeah. Four years later, Chaka Khan puts it out. Huge worldwide hit. Come on, Prince. I thought you could spot a hit a mile away and you let this one go. Not a single release. I cannot understand that. Uh, actually, having said that, I, had, I think I've read somewhere that he actually offered this to someone else in the late 70s, early 80s, but they didn't, it didn't end up getting released for some reason. Uh, I know the oh. Pointer Sisters did a version. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. And Reby Jackson, I think, did a version too. A couple yeah. of people did it, but it was Chaka that sort of really took off. Listening to this album the last couple of weeks, one thing I'd never noticed before, just like he did later on on other albums, he has at least three different vocals singing harmonies. And I mean, not just in the chorus, like the whole song, the verses, the chorus, everything. There's this all multi-track vocals all going all the time. I never noticed that until like a week, two weeks ago, blasting the headphones. At 1.33, there's this, just in the background, you hear this little, yep, baby. And it's just like in the background, it's really funny. And I laugh at every time. He just sticks that in there. I like at 153, just before that main synth line comes in again, he says, play. And that's cool. And then at 212, you've got the big fake horn solo. But forget that. Listen to the bass line. Listen to that bass. That is just funky stuff right there. And then again at 243, like Tojam said before that, the big synth solo, he says, play. Again, just before that comes in, he says, play. And it comes and blasts your head off. There's some more funky bass bits thrown in. And then, then we're at the end of the song. But this was not a single. What happened? Why not? I don't understand these things. This was the, the case of the world wasn't ready for Prince. Is that what it was? We had to wait four more years before we could hear this song? Not, not only was this not released as a single, and you're right about that, but the craziest thing about this is when it was released as a single for Chaka Khan, it wins the Grammy oh. Award for Best R&B Song in 1985. Ridiculous. <laughs> you know, he wins a Grammy with this song, you know, 
five years later or whatever it is. Uh, obviously, Khan's version did have Melly Mel from um, The Furious Five and Woo! Grandmaster Flash and Harmonica by Stevie Wonder and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. But, you know, primarily the same song. So. Prince was the songwriter for that, for, for the song, so he gets the credit and the Grammy to go. This is a classic Prince song with classic Prince elements. Uh, I'm going to say the word classic a few more times. Classic keys, classic, classic synths, classic lyrics, and a cool melody and a groove that just, it doesn't stop. You know, the great thing about this song is the minute it starts to the minute it ends, you're just bobbing along. There's no, there's no pause for breath. From the breakdowns to the synth line, the lead line of the synth, and also what's going on in the rhythm of the song. Great song to listen to. It's just ear candy, really. And the lyrics, you know, there's a couple of good lines here. It's mainly a physical... I wouldn't lie to you, baby. It's mainly a physical thing. What oh, a... No, 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 no. Spiritual. It's a spiritual thing. Ah, uh, get out of it, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just great. It's it's so honest and um, playful, that, that lyric in particular. And then again, I wouldn't lie to you, baby. I'm physically attracted to you. He's just wearing his heart on his sleeve and telling it like it is. I like that about this song. But I agree. I like what you're saying. Like, he sounds really joyous. It's a joyous song. Mm. And you can really feel the emotion come through. It's it's really cool. That bass. Oh, bass. That, that's yeah. just killer. Love this song. Dun, 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 dun. And it's, it sounds so great on, on the CD version as well. I mean, yeah. just a quick point. This CD is mastered. Yeah, very well. So well for yeah. the time. This sounds better than some of the stuff in the 80s. Yeah, definitely. From a production standpoint, which is very surprising to me. Just a beautiful album to listen to. Yeah, well, I think uh, that has- how, how, does, how does that happen? I don't how know. Well, I was just going to say. Because- 1979 album sound better than an album from 87, 88. How does- well, What? what? Well, the, th- the thing is that I don't- I think Prince continued to record- on analog, but some of the consoles might have changed. I'm not an expert, but the equipment certainly started going digital in the earlier 80s, whereas potentially that had something to do with the fact that this was such a good sound. The other thing is that mastering back then seemed to achieve really great results. And throughout the 80s, when the CD started coming out, it just paled in comparison. I could be talking a whole lot of nonsense. That's <laughs> the way that- I'm thinking, yeah. because, you know, after this album, then he had Dirty Mind was recorded in his home studio. Controversy in 99, pretty much the same sort of thing. Purple Rain's recorded in a, a warehouse. Uh, Parade, around the day, Parade sound like the same sort of thing recorded in a warehouse. So, it does have a really clean studio sound, the whole album. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not until... Uh, hang on, hang on. Arguably... The first album that sounds rubbish is Sign of the Times. Is that the first album recorded at Paisley Park? Is mm, that hitting the nail build. on the head? The first album at Paisley Park was Black Album, wasn't it? I think the first album that doesn't sound that great on CD is is probably 1999. But that's got to do with transfer. It, it's not really the recording itself, is it? It's the yeah, transfer. Yeah, you could be right, yeah. Who knows? But yeah, uh, th- this would have been recorded in a lot of, with a lot of an- analogue, so that you get all the warmth and stuff. So whatever they've transferred it with, it's it's just retained that warmth in it. It's yeah, it's a beautiful transfer. It really is. It holds yeah. up so well. You don't even need the. Vi- I mean, the vinyl does sound does sound warmer just because of the fact that you get that that sound coming through. But this is a beautiful. I mean, this CD really should be a guide for um, what yeah. other Prince albums should sound like. Can you imagine if all the other '80s and potentially even some of the '90s albums just followed this sound? Yeah, sounds so much better. Great. So, uh, and with that, we go into the last track of this monumentous second album by the man known as Prince. It's called It's Gonna Be Lonely. It's gonna be lonely. 
He finishes on a melancholic note. Five and a half minutes worth of crying, basically. <laughs> Poor Prince. Here we go again. Before he hit the big time. But uh, on a serious note, guys, it's going to be lonely. Toji. It's potentially skippable only because it's a, a slowish kind of weird kind of song at the end of the album. But it's one of those songs that when you do play it, it's really quite interesting, I think. Yeah. Um, interesting little chord progression, you know, A major and then what would you call the next one? I guess it's E major with a G sharp in the bass and then G minor or G major. I can't remember. It's got some a B sus in there. Um, so it's interesting little weird, strange chord progressions. It gets a little bit repetitive at points. There's a nice little lyric about, you know, we parry, which is kind of like a little precursor to his parade stuff later on. Oh, where he gay. says about the gay. accent. Gay. Yeah. Gay, yeah. gay parry. Yeah. I like the way it builds, though. From about three minutes on, three minutes and nine I've got, it just kind of repeats the same bit, but the vocals are getting heavier and heavier, and, and, and there's a, it stops, and then he sings, you know, it's going to be lonely, and every time he does it, it's different. Sometimes he changes the words, sometimes he changes the, the rhythm, and so, you know, sometimes he's singing lonely on one or beat two, or, or you know, it's the lonely that's being accented. So I like the way he sort of mucks around with that, and you can tell his vocals are so much stronger in that section. Like, they're really starting to come to the fore compared to For You again. So in that sense, there's some really good, interesting moments in it. But it's not something you really go out of your way to listen to, but it is it is interesting when you get through it. Interesting. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Captain. The title always reminds me of There Is Lonely from The Vault. And it's just because of the, the title. I mean, the, the songs aren't similar, but it always reminds me of it. This is the second longest track on the album. And the most annoying thing is in the verses, there's these like phasing synths and they just annoy me constantly. They're pretty low in the mix, but they're, they just really annoy me. But it, uh, apart from that, for me, this song starts at about 2.54. It goes to that chord and from there, you know, I can leave it at the verses and the, the weird synths. Start the song at 2.54. That's the second half of the song, and then it's good. Uh, there's some great vocals, multi-tracking his vocals. You can just tell he's he's getting better and better at doing that. And listen to the vocals from 319 to 332. That's some great stuff right there. But overall, yeah, this is another song. Not great, but yeah, it's not a song I'll, I'm ever going to go, oh, I need to listen to that song. But when it comes on, I'm like, oh, yeah, this song. That's okay. So that's, that's about all i got to say. Interesting. Interesting. Player. Yeah, I think sometimes when I'm listening to this, this is the cut. I mean, when I was listening to this for this review, I think this was the one that got the most plays and repeat listens. And I don't know why. I get a, like a floating through space feeling when listening to this. It's very hypnotic and atmospheric. The chorus section has some cool musical ideas. I guess my only gripe is it might be just a tad too long where he repeats the chorus a couple of times too many. But other than that, I really like this song just for the vibe more than anything. It's very trippy and, you know, when I'm listening to this, I see Prince on a, a white unicorn. Oh, actually, I'm looking at the city, but, yeah, Are you sure that's not you on the white unicorn? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, no, maybe I am. in it now. <laughs> Suddenly, I'm not so lonely anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's no, a cool song, I think. Hi-ho, Silver. It's the Bone Ranger. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Captain, player, Turgeon, very interesting. It's a curious way to finish the album for me. I, I think this song and Still Waiting go hand in hand. To a lesser extent, you, you wouldn't tell 
you wouldn't tell this by listening to the music of Why You Want to Treat Me So Bad, but certainly the lyrics are similar to Still Waiting and It's It's Gonna Be Lonely. Look, this is, it's somber, it's blue, it's sad, it's heartfelt. It's got that cool progression in the, in the notes of, of the guitar. And the whole atmosphere around this track is, is pretty blue. That's the way I describe it. If I had to use a color, it's kind of like mood indigo in a way, you know. Uh, again, I think this is a very re- revealing song by Prince. I'm not going to overdo it. I made my, I think I made my point on Still Waiting, but he reveals parts of himself in this song that that I think he covers up to a large degree for the rest of his career. And I, I'd be so lonely without you loving me. I know it's going to be lonely without you giving me every little single thing that I need. Lonely. I think that pretty much says it all, really. Uh, but I do have a couple of other things to mention. One is that he rarely revisits this level of... Um, what am I trying to say? It's almost like the future. You know, in, in the future of the, the opening track on the Batman album... Very, very different song, but he's predicting what it's going to be like, what a certain future state is going to look like and feel like. And here is like, he's basically predicting a future of loneliness when she goes away. It's a, it's a song about heartbreak on an album in a way about love and heartbreak. You know, I want to be your lover. Why do you treat me so bad? You're a sexy dancer and we're dancing close and slow, but I really want to be with you. I'm still waiting. I feel for you. I'm so emotional. My name is Prince and I'm so emotional. That's what he's saying with this album. And now it's going to be oh so lonely when you go away. This potentially is the most revealing album Prince has ever made. I'll leave it there. You know what? I think this is talking about it's gonna lonely. Not he is lonely, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm sure now he's lonely. But he's not going to write a song like that now because he's writing songs about how great he is and how he's living the life. He predicted it 30 years ago, Captain. With his money and his cars, and he's so cool because he's Prince. But, you know, he's going to go back to that empty hotel room all by himself. Oh, I just brought the show down, didn't I? I think I started it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just, you just put the, the, I just brought the nail it way, in the coffin. Way look, down. look I, I admit that my analysis, if you can even call it that, of still waiting and it's going to be lonely is potentially heavy-handed and really... It's highly likely that I'm reading into these lyrics far more than than necessary, and maybe they're just songs. But I just feel I felt like I had to say that because that's the reaction that they gave me. Okay, I think that, that that's that's your opinion. Go you know that there's some of the most confessional. That's what we're here for. <laughs> there's some of the most confessional songs he's written. Whether he, I'm going to put the whole thing on its head now. Whether he knew it at the time or not is beside the point. But his subconscious, in my opinion, is really coming through on this album. Like I said, one of the most revealing albums he's ever done in my in my mind. And with that, nine songs we've covered. We've covered 1979, ladies and gentlemen. Peach and Black, just discussed. Prince, the album, by Prince, the artist. By Peach and Black, the podcast. Thank you and good night. <laughs> so, guys, you, you know, we've come to the end of the show and we've come to the end of 1979, really. What are your thoughts after listening to this album again and, and talking about it and reviewing it and getting all your notes together? What kind of feeling has this left you with? Anyone, just let's let's turn it on. This is a very strong album and I, surprising to myself, actually like the majority, or actually almost all the tracks on this album, which is a rare thing for me, not just for a Prince album, but for any album by anyone. I like almost all the tracks on this album and that's, I didn't even know that before I started listening back to this album. I did not designate a most skippable track because I don't think there is one. 
there's weaker songs. You know, some songs are stronger than others, but there's not a song on this I'm going to go, oh, I don't want to listen to this. I'll listen to every song on this album. There's only probably two which I would say were weaker, but still I'll listen to them every time. There's not a skippable song on this album for me. And when I was, you know, writing my notes, I'd listen to a song and I'd listen to the, a couple of them. And I'm like, oh, is this it? Could this be the one? I'm like, nah, it's not this one. <laughs> this is not the most skippable track. So that's that's a sign of a good album. I couldn't even pick one. I don't think there is a bad song on this album. The last track isn't amazing, but again, I don't skip it. It's got its merits. A lot of these songs on this album, I thought I knew them, and then I get the headphones on and you really concentrate. Listen to each song three or four times and you will be amazed. This album probably sat somewhere around my six or seven least listened to Prince albums. And now I think it's just made its way into the top ten albums that I'm going to listen to. Prince albums that I'm going to listen to a lot more how, how than awesome I used is that? to. <laughs> I know. I'm stunned how good this album is. And we always say, oh, I slept on this song, I slept on this. I seriously, that... <laughs> For this album, which is crazy. It's very poppy, and I guess that helps me love it. And there's there's a funk in there too, and there's still a little remnant of disco here and there, and a bit, a bit of country, but it's all good. This album has just blown me away, like For You Did Not. It's, I think this is light years ahead in just about every aspect. And, you know, For You's a good debut album, but this is just a huge step up, and... I think I'm going to have to give this 7.5 out of 10. The end. Great stuff, Captain. I mean, you're right. This is a giant leap, potentially not a quantum leap, but just in the songwriting department, in the confidence stakes, in his abilities as a vocalist, his delivery, his playing, his musicianship. It's still a one-man band, but it just sounds like a true band, you know? I think you realized I don't need all these fancy chord progressions if I can just... You know, get a good groove and get some yeah. get something happening. Because the yeah. first for you had a lot of all tricky chord chords and look at this, look at this, look at that. And this album doesn't have that really at all. No, it was like the first album wanted to impress people with all these. Yeah, like you say, the complexities and and trying hard with the arrangements. Whereas this time, it's kind of flowing more naturally out of him, and and the songs are there. You know, the songs are just they're right there in your face, and you either love them or you hate them, or well, you, you like them or you don't. But I, for one, I like them all. Yeah, I, for one, love most of these tracks. I agree with you, Captain, that this is an album that many people may sleep on only because it's not known as one of the massive smash hits. But to me, the more and more I think about it, I said this at the end of my um, review of the last track, It's a, I think it's a very personal album by Prince. It's great that we can put it on and listen to it at any point in time. And as much as it is a document of that era, it stands up incredibly well today the music on here is first rate you know there's nine tracks on here and i think for my money seven of them are awesome one of them is pretty good and one of them for me is is skippable but what a solid effort i mean the guy just went from strength to strength he was only two albums in and already he was showing his versatility he was showing his complexity as an artist he was showing an honesty that again i don't want to labor on this point but i think it would be great to hear more of that he can do what he likes but i would love to hear more direct a more direct approach toe jam what are your final thoughts on prince the album uh i think it's a big improvement on for you which was not a bad debut quite a good debut actually uh and but this is really starting to there's a bit of momentum going from that album into dirty mind 
it's the sound of it is i really like the sound of the album it's it's really clear and it sounds like it's recorded really warmly i find and it's really the one-man band thing all the way through probably his most one-man band album i love the live drums i don't think there's any drum machine in there yet so i love the live drum sounds i think there's four really good songs i want to be your lover is a great pop song why you want to treat me so bad also bambi is a killer and i think the best song on the album by far is i feel for you for me anyway probably prince's first like superstar song i think it's a really amazing song the vocals on the album they're certainly improved from the for you album i remember when we did that for you i criticized his, his vocals you know obviously not criticizing but just being a bit young not really having the balls in it yet and there's still a little element of that in the album his vocals <laughs> they're certainly getting better but i don't think it's t- until the next album where he really starts to bring out the real ballsy vocals so still a little bit young here but overall i think it's a, a fascinating sophomore album and I'm probably going to give it a seven, seven and a half. Ooh. It's a great listen. Wow, solid score there from Toe Jam. Yeah, it is a great listen. It's a solid listen. And I think this album doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to get enough kind of spins in the in the Prince fan community. I, I kind of feel like it's a little bit underrated. I think yeah, one of the things that prevents me from listening to it more is is it's kind of like uh, Minneapolis Sound in, the, in that there's probably just one too many ballad slash mid-tempo slower songs when, when we're dancing with you, still waiting, lonely. They're all great songs in their own right, but that's a lot of sort of slowish mid-tempo songs on an album for me. Mm. Yeah, it, it kind of jumps for from Prince that, album, anyway. It? Yeah, it, it jumps a little, a little bit up and down with regards to the tempo, so you kind of... That, that's cool as well because he's mixing it up, but I, I, I see what you mean there. So, player, it's all up to you. Tell us how you feel. Round up your version of the album. I kind of see this as his debut album, like Take Two. It kind of feels like the For You album was maybe like too many people in the studio. He couldn't really be himself. I know Prince's recording process, he kicks the engineers and people out and he does vocals and stuff like that. And I think there was too many people on that first album where he couldn't sort of really be himself. And on this album, he sounds like more like himself. So yeah, it's it's a um it's a definite leap from the first album, and it's just it just sounds like more of himself. He sounds more comfortable. I mentioned on the for you album, it sounds like work experience. It's it's like he's learnt from that, and he's um put it all into this, and it's a it's a really good album. It's a good album, and it's it's a good sort of starting point. It's kind of weird that the second album is a is a self titled album. Usually the first ones are. So it kind of sounds like he's starting again on this. But that's not to say that for you doesn't have any merit because it does. But this one just sounds a lot better. Score wise, I I agree with you guys. I'd probably give it seven to seven and a half. It's a strong, decent album. Still worthy of playing like in 2013. It's very, very good. It's a very strong album. Yeah, when you've got quality material and a quality performance and a quality recording. It adds up to really a timeless album in a way, doesn't it? Yeah. You know what's really interesting? Every singer, every artist, you've got your debut album and then there's always, you know, how are they going to follow up this? How's the second album? How is he going to do better than that? You think Prince beat the album before it from the first album, like all the way up, you know, most of his career, every album was, was an improvement on the last one. He always did it. And that's, that's a crazy record. Yeah, in, have. in music, there's the sophomore jinx. Everyone gets jinxed by the second album. Mm. And usually the first album's really big and then they can't follow it up in the second, whereas Prince does it the other way around. Yeah, except for the fact yeah. that the first album wasn't the, the, the smash, you know. Well, exactly, yeah. But it, yeah. But it was like sort of a sleeper. It, it, was, just, it was just good enough. So he, he, maybe he didn't make the first one so good because he knew the second one had to be better. 
<laughs> That's what I think. Don't make the first one too good because don't forget you've got to beat it on the second one. I just didn't um, think he'd be himself on the first on the first album as much. I think there was just too many people around, probably chiming yeah, in and, and and telling him, you know, you've got to do this, you can't do that, da 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 da. Whereas on this one, he probably just did it the way he knows how to do it, and it's been doing it like that ever since. Isn't it? Wasn't it L.A. Reid on one of those documentaries who says something like, you know, Prince understands the idea of growth as an artist? Don't I think, think it's Mo Austin. Uh, maybe, yeah. It's, early, it's early 90s documentary. I can't remember which one it is. Yeah. You sure yeah. it's not Owen Husney? He, he doesn't like Prince. <laughs> no, but like, and it's true because like, you know, you can see he uh, just evolves as he goes throughout his career. Like, certain sounds come and go in waves, so to speak. So. And he doesn't, uh, even at this early stage... And, and throughout his career, he doesn't give everything away in one go. Whether it, you know, even if he's got ideas that are that he's been playing around with, he doesn't just let it all out at one go. Everything is very carefully crafted, very calculated from the very get go when he signed to Warner Brothers until this very day. Everything is so precise and carefully maneuvered. Even when fans think otherwise i'm of the opinion that that everything he does is very well thought out very well thought out even the spontaneous things the spontaneous elements of his music or his career you know but anyway we've done for you we've done prince you haven't done yours yet have you i have yeah, yeah. did you score you didn't i'm score. not no no i'm not scoring i'm over the scoring if you can't <laughs> if you haven't been able to tell i, I really i'm over the scoring because the scoring is it doesn't mean anything, you know. I don't mind talking about the albums, but as far as it's like just ranking them, it's a bit them, of fun. I know, no, no, but I know some people. No, no, no it's not know, that. I'm not some good, no, some no, no. people we give a score on something, and then some people are like, "Oh, how could you give it that?" I'm like, "Sir, it's just a number. It's just fun. Who cares?" <laughs> that, that, Get that's, over it. That's not Get why. Get over it. That's <laughs> that's not why I don't want to do it. The reason I don't want to do it is just like I find it so tedious. To assign a number out of ten to the album, like I used to not mind it, but I'm like, I, I actually don't enjoy trying to do it. So I'm like, forget it. I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> don't. Have, that's why you don't even think about it. Just go. You know, two sec. Give yourself two seconds to think about it and go, bang. That's it. Don't Captain, even think about it. That's the, the last only time. Way. The last time I didn't think about it, I scored Batman a four out of ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> okay. Fine. Forever you haunting are, you. <laughs> you are now exempt. From scoring. Thank you. And with that, we come to the end of an era. The era of the first two albums. The 70s are finished. <laughs> and uh, keep listening to the Peach and Black podcast because we've still got heaps of albums to review. The list never stops on the Peach and Black podcast. We're going to be going till we're old and grey. I guarantee you that much. Actually, <laughs> I'm maybe grown. I take that back. <laughs> but look, to all our listeners, again, just a quick ad hoc. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Hope we're entertaining. We just speak our mind. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Uh, keep supporting the show. Uh, we support the music. We support Prince. And we support you guys by continuing to do this, if that makes sense. Um, you've been listening to Peach and Black. And as always, we'll be back. Uh, shout outs. Shout outs. <laughs> shout outs. Uh, Captain, go for yeah, it. Okay. Shout outs. There's a whole bunch of people. Orlando, Brandon, Saluka, NJE Melbourne, Todd Ramirez, LV, Erica Thompson. Susie Six, Vince, Nikki in the UK, Anthony Millington, Anna, David, Marco, King FD, Tane McManus, Brad Bennett, Fancy Ray, Claire, Rakabash, Kyle Christian, Elke Mendels, Seth Everett, and the Spreecast. Keep doing your thing over there. We listen to that. You see me typing there. You know I'm there. 
You forgot uh, to mention Ryan Fancy Marnock. Ray, the best looking man in comedy. <laughs> Fancy Ray. <laughs> Uh, Ryan Mark, Brian Vargas, Donald Marshall, Kelly Strawbridge doing their thing there, David Powell, Jester, Jesse, uh, yeah, Jesse, Jester still out there doing his thing, watch his reviews, uh, Adore Cream and Too Freaky for Church, we know you love us, get over it, yeah, <laughs> Third Eye Girl, keep doing your thing, we'll talk to you soon, uh, Marco Bergami, uh, thanks to everyone still listening after all these years and listening to our rubbish. Come and see us on Facebook and say hello. Big shout out to Dom for doing the work. Mr. Dom, thank you very much. Yay. And I think that's about it. Randy Ferguson, go and Yay, see Randy. Arsame Achuleta, hello to you. And that is the end of this massive list. And a big shout out to, spoiler alert, Michael B. Nelson for all the Peach and Black Yay. podcast listeners. We'll leave it there. Michael B. Nelson, what's up? So that's all the shout-outs. Thank you, everybody. One more thing. The 18th of October, if you're in Sydney, make your way to the Sly Fox Hotel in Emmore Road, Emmore. It's the Sydney Cream Prince Party. It's free. It's free it's entry. free entry. We'll all be there. At least Captain will be there. I'll be there. MC will be there. Toe Jams are maybe at this stage. But if you want to come and see Peach and Black, come see us. And it'll be really funky night. Tell your friends. Bring everyone. We'd love to see you there. Bring the entire world. <laughs> if you want to see Captain DJ some Tony M, some hardcore Tony oh, M. Oh, it's going to be great. Get yourself there. It's going to be great. There you go. There you go. There we go. So that's that one. That's it.